whacking your fun with that pool noodle, you're at the card pool. I'm your host, Stu Galetta. And I'm Kyle Robertson. And today, we are talking about the top 10 money cards from Invasion. And this is part two of our two-part set review for part one. You can always check back to our previous video where we discuss our top 10 hidden gems from Invasion. But without further ado, let's kick off this review. Let's indeed, Kyle. And let's start at number one with a very, very good card for the price of $36. We're talking about Captain Sisse. This is a legendary creature that costs two of anything and one green and one white and she is a 2-2 body with the effect that reads search your library for a legendary or legendary card reveal that card and put it into your hand then shuffle your library so right here we have a very very strong legendary creature that could be a very strong commander or a very strong card in the 99 so what this effect does is it tutors out pretty much every turn for any legendary permanent, which is very, very strong in this game. If you look at legendary permanents, we have anything from lands, artifacts, enchantments, creatures, and now even planeswalkers with the new effect. So this card can pretty much be a great strategy for a toolbox style gameplay in which you can find any card you need right then at that moment. Obviously, the reason this card is number one for this set is because of the recent changeover in rules text that lets Captain Sisse search for planeswalkers as well. This actually was not the number one money card of Invasion until very, very recently when it shot up in price for that reason. But even beyond that, it was still one of the pricier cards of the set, and there's a really good reason for that, which is for just a simple tap ability, you get an incredibly powerful tutor effect that gives you access to a wide array of very, very good cards. And all you got to do is a measly little tap ability. As we've discussed many, many times before, and will probably many times again, a simple tap ability is quite easily circumvented because there are just so many ways to abuse those things and untap things to tap them all over again. Captain Sisse being no exception, but probably one of the better ones. The only thing that I can say against her is that she has a really fragile body for her converted mana cost, but other than that, really just a home run of a card and something that's at home, as you said, Stu, either as a commander or in the 99, wherever you really want to put it. And it's also one of those cards that's just going to continue to get better over the course of time. As more and more legendary cards are printed, the value of Captain Sisse just keeps going up and up and up and up. Moving on and taking just a slight step down to our number two money card here at $34, we have an artifact, Phyrexian Altar. This is an artifact that costs three to play, and it has a very simple effect, which is sacrifice a creature, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. This instantly draws comparisons to another card that is pretty much exactly the same thing as this one, Ashnod's Altar. There is a slight difference between the two of them, though, which is that Ashnod's Altar sacrifices a creature to give you two colorless mana. Phyrexian Altar sacrifices a creature to only give you one mana, but it can be mana of any color. I think you could have a pretty fair debate about which of these is the better card, and some people might choose Ashnod's Altar for just the simple fact that it is a lot, lot, lot cheaper than Phyrexian Altar is. But there are reasons why Phyrexian Altar is the more expensive one, and maybe the better choice, mainly because getting color mana as opposed to colorless mana can be just oh so good. It does exactly the same thing that something like Ashnod's Altar does, 
all the broken infinite mana combos that you can create, they both pretty much do the exact same thing, except Alter has the leg up of giving you colorless mana to cast things that you would afterward, like you probably were planning to with a card like this, instead of just colorless, which can sometimes make it a little more difficult. I love your comparison with Ashnod's Alter, because these two literally are the rivals of which is better, and I love that. And I would argue that Ashnaz is pretty much better any mono or dual-colored deck strategy. And when you get into the three, four, or even five-colored commander decks, you'd rather run Phyrexian Altar. Just for the fact that easy mana fixing is really, really powerful, especially in a five-color deck. Now, moving towards our number three slot, for $18, you can also own an Empress Galena. It is a five-drop, double-blue, legendary creature with a 1-3 body. And it reads, for two blue mana, you can tap it and gain control of target legendary permanent. So here right now, we have a card that loves to just ravel Captain Sisse. Hey, you tutor out the stuff that you want to bring, and let me just steal it from you. That right there is extremely powerful, especially in Commander, in the fact that the Commander is a legendary permanent. So once it hits the field, if they can't give their Commander any form of hexproof or shroud, you are gaining control of that creature. And also to note, this card doesn't read until this card leaves the field. It's permanent. So the creature has to die or the permanent has to get destroyed for them to get that into their graveyard or back under their control. And that is one of the distinct reasons why this card warrants its price like that. It is such a powerful effect. Much like I said with Captain Sisse, I'm kind of turned off by the fact that Empress Galena costs so much for such a little body. But again, has a very cheap and easy to use tap effect that can be easily exploited. And come on, stealing control of something permanently, even if it is only limited to legendary things, there's so many things you could do with that. A vast array of legendary creatures, most of which will end up being opposing commanders or just good cards straight up. Legendary lands like Nykthos, Cabal Coffers, and Urborg. Imagine stealing some of those, the benefits that you could get from them. And even stealing sometimes legendary artifacts or enchantments. They exist. It can be possible. In addition, it also now steals Planeswalkers, so much like Captain Sisse, its power is only going to grow with the course of time. I've seen some people play Empress Galena as a commander herself, and I don't know, that's just really mean, but I, I can understand why you would do it. Well, moving on from Empress Galena, we're going to go back to multicolored, and ironically enough, in the same colors as Captain Sisse was. For number four, at $12, we have an enchantment called Aura Shards. It costs three to play, one colorless, a green, and a white. Whenever a creature comes into play under your control, you may destroy target artifact or enchantment. Veteran players, of course, know that artifact and enchantment hate is some of the most valuable things they say you can have in your deck because there are just so many great artifacts and enchantments out there. And by virtue of not being creatures, they are oftentimes a lot more difficult to interact with. The real money with Aura Shards, though, even though it does kind of just offer up a good base starting rate where play a creature from your hand, get rid of an artifact or enchantment, seems pretty solid. It really shines, though, in token decks with something like Rise the Redeemed, for example, or maybe even Tristani, Selesnya's Voice, any of those green-white token-making commanders, or just any green-white deck in general. You make a ton of tokens, this is going to destroy a heck of a lot of stuff. It's pretty self-explanatory how powerful this card is, and the fact that it has no limits on what kind of creature comes into play to trigger its effect 
that just makes it 10 times better. Oh, totally. And the best thing about this is this is a May effect. So Harmonic Sliver is pretty much Aura Shards on a creature body, but for it has the clause saying that it has to destroy something. So with Aura Shards, it's very easy for you to go ahead, play Risk the Redeemed, and go ahead and just blow up everyone's artifacts and enchantments and leave yours for safety. Harmonic Sliver would be the opposite because at once all those permanents have been exhausted, you now have to destroy your own if you don't have an indestructible permanent like a Dark Stealing Get Out, for example. Anyone who's ever played against Aura Shards knows the collective groan that they hear around the play table once this comes out and then starts abusing its effect with either blink effects like with Rune of the Hidden Realm or a token strategy like you said, Kyle. Seems like we're meant to stay in Selesnya because coming in at number five for the price of $9, we have Sterling Grove. It costs Selesnya, like I said, which is a single green and a white, and it is an enchantment. All other enchantments you control can't be the target of spells or abilities. And for one generic mana, sacrifice Sterling Grove, search your library for an enchantment card, and reveal that card. Shuffle your library and put the card on top of it. So here is a phenomenal card that you see in, as a staple in every Enchantress build strategy. It gives all your enchantments Shroud, which is extremely strong under the fact that your opponents can't touch them as long as they're in play. It also makes it so that enchantment creatures are safe as well. But it also has the added effect too, where you can sacrifice it and tutor for any enchantment and put it on top of your deck. That's a built-in enlightened tutor right there. And this is super easy to recur because it's in white. Let's sacrifice it. Play Sun Titan, get it back to the field, go to attack. Oh, before I go to attack, let's sacrifice this, get another enchantment. Bam! Like, it's so abusable, and it's so strong, it's pretty much a great card to put in any deck that is enchantment heavy. Well, I'm pretty much with you all the way, Stu. I think you've said pretty much everything that needs to be said with this. The only thing I would add is it's kind of like Greater Aromancy, except maybe even better because of that added-on tutor ability. Sure, it's two colors rather than just one, so maybe it doesn't fit into as many decks, but if you're in these colors and you're playing a lot of enchantments, you absolutely should not hesitate to run this card. It is just great. Well, moving on, we're going to go back to blue, as it turns out, and for $7, you can get this card called Collective Restraint. It's another enchantment. It costs four to play, three colorless and one blue. Creatures can't attack you unless their controller pays X for each creature attacking, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. So here we have a very interesting propaganda ghostly prison variant of a card. There are a lot of these kind of attack taxing effects out there. This one is probably one of the stronger ones, but it does come at the cost of only being really, truly at its full potential if you're playing a five-color deck. I suppose it could be okay if you're playing four or three colors as well, but once you go past that into the two-color and obviously one-color range, it's really just a more expensive ghostly prisoner propaganda, and why would you even bother playing that? Although, if you really want an extra copy, I guess you wouldn't complain about it. But like I said, this card is at its best when you play five colors, like many of the cards we have talked about from the Invasion set. And overall, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting card. If I'm playing five colors, though, I might want something a little bit more powerful than this, a little more splashy than this. Just pillow forwarding up doesn't seem like something I really want to be doing a ton of if I'm playing five colors, but hey, if the option's there, 
If you want to play it, go ahead. It can be pretty good. You wouldn't really want this in a two-colored strategy, probably three, but I would also like to see this in maybe an Atraxa build, like we said before about Super Friends. It makes it so it's a way that you can really protect your creatures, you had the variety of basic lands, and I mean, Pillow Fort is a style that kills into any deck. Like, who wants to make it so they have to pay mana to attack? Nobody. So it really makes it so that you can protect yourself because they either spend their turn attacking you, or they spend their turn casting stuff and they don't have enough mana to do it. So it's a really strong card in that perspective. Yeah, if you have all five colors out there, paying five whole mana to attack just with one creature every turn, that gets to be very expensive very quickly. And so if you are in that situation, you're probably going to shut your opponents out of the combat step against you unless they're really, really trying to hit you. And they're going to pay for it. So it's not like my favorite card, but I suppose it's pretty good. Now moving away from something that's good for everyone to a deck that's good for its only one sole purpose. At number seven, for about five and a half dollars, we have Elvis Champion, a three drop, one generic and double green elf lord. And it has a 2-2 body, so right there, pretty decent stats. And it reads, all elves get plus 1-1 one, one and have forest walk. So right here, we're looking at a Lord Anthem effect in which he boosts all other elves. and makes it so they get stronger. And they also have a strong form of evasion to make it so that all these little guys can go ahead and ping in for damage continually. And this way, it's really, really powerful, like we said with Rise to Redeemed, who makes it so that, all right, I can go ahead and populate my board like crazy. I'm doubling my board every single time. So to make it so that you can constantly keep swinging for damage and produce blockers so you don't take any is extremely, extremely powerful. Plus, it also makes it, them all bigger. So right there, the damage is just getting better and better and better. And for three mana, that's really, really cheap. Elves are pretty infamous for being that deck that goes wide, swings out with a bunch of small creatures that can potentially become very large creatures at a moment's notice, and they do love their lords. Elvish Champion is probably one of the stronger ones, just because in certain circumstances, your whole giant army is going to be unblockable. And if somebody's sitting across from you with a forest, and you play this, they're going to have a bad time. Sadly, this card has been somewhat changed since it was printed so that it only gives the bonus to all other elves you control and not to itself or all elves on the battlefield anymore. So it maybe is a little less powerful now than it was when it was originally printed, but still unblockable for a tribe that plays lots of creatures. Not too bad of a card. I think you should definitely play it if you're playing elves. Moving on to another artifact at number 8 on our countdown here for $4, we have Planar Portal. This is quite a sizable artifact. It costs 6 to play and 6 to use its ability, which is a tap ability. You search your library for any card and put that card into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Very straightforward effect, kind of pricey, but also very, very powerful. I actually have played this card in a variety of different decks just because of the amount of mana that it takes to use. Seems big at first, but if you play a lot of mana rocks, it can be easily circumvented. And the ability to tutor any card you want from your deck into your hand every single turn, or maybe even more with some kind of crazy artifact shenanigans, is nothing to laugh at, particularly when this card can be splashed into pretty much any deck that there is by virtue of its colorless cost. The place that I'm enjoying playing it right now is in Braid's Conjurer Adept, 
where with Braids' ability to cast artifacts, creatures, and lands for free per turn, you can play this and then essentially not even have to worry about its immense casting cost, but use its ability probably almost immediately. And from then on, you can tutor the biggest creatures in your deck or even artifacts or whatever you want from your deck into your hand and then proceed to continue to play them for free. That's far from the only place that Planar Portal shines. It can go in so many different decks. I also used to enjoy playing this in pure colorless decks because you kind of need tutors. Braids abuses this like crazy. I didn't even think of that, but oh my god, that is something totally ridiculous under that note. And like you said, Kyle, this, this card I feel like got a little outclassed recently where um, Planar Bridge got produced in the new Kaladesh Aether Revolt set in which for two extra mana you can make it so that this card is put directly into the field. So in this case you won't really have to worry too much about the casting cost of the whatever card you want to get because it can go right on out. But I mean, if you're in a deck in which, you know, you aren't being able to ramp too well or you can't find tutors just because those colors don't produce it, Boros is one of the colors that I feel like is always heavily neglected in Magic, and just for the fact that it doesn't have the kind of support that all the other colors have. I actually think Planar Bridge and this is kind of a good comparison, Stu, but I think something you have to keep in mind is that Planar Bridge only works for permanents playing them from your deck. Planar Portal can get permanence or it can get non-permanence. Planar Portal is perfectly capable of searching for instants and sorceries as well, which can sometimes mean the difference between victory and defeat. So on the whole, I would argue that Planar Portal is the stronger card. But I suppose, again, it entirely depends on the deck that you're playing them in. And hey, if you can play both of them, I probably would. Now moving from a card with a high mana cost to a low mana cost, at our number 9 spot for $3.5 we have Dueling Grounds. This is another Slesney enchantment for the price of a generic, a white, and a green. No more than one creature may attack each turn. No more than one creature may block each turn. So right here we have a funnel card, and I love calling them funnel cards. It's a thing that makes it so that your combat steps are not as impactful if you're not running Voltron. If you use a giant army strategy, then you can't do much more than block with one little guy and it's not going to do much, or attack with one little guy, and that's still not going to do much. And we see this effect in magic all over the place, and it's really, really powerful. We see it with Silent Arbiter, we see it with Crawl Space, and those are cards that when they come out, it makes it so that the entire way that magic is played changes right then and there for as long as this comes into play. Now, I would argue the other ones are inherently a little bit better, just for the fact that you don't have to worry about the color restrictions, but again, like we said, Enchantress styles do exist, it totally fits in its own world, like you can totally make this card work. This is actually pretty much the exact same card as the later Silent Arbiter that we've already talked about, except Silent Arbiter costs a little more, is an artifact, and is a creature to boot, so it itself can block with fairly good defensive stats. Dueling Grounds is still a pretty cool card, and I think back in the day it really had its run, but I think nowadays there are just cards out there that are a little more easily abusable and that kind of outclass it in a lot of ways. One thing that I would immediately compare it to is the aptly named Miri Weatherlight Duelist, one of the most recent additions to the legendary Selesnia Pantheon from the recent Cat Commander deck, and Miri is kind of the Dueling Grounds effect 
but only one-sided in that you can attack with your entire army and only have one of your opponent's creatures able to block. Dueling Grounds is perfectly at home, as you said, Stu, in any given Selesnya enchantment deck, probably. One that I can think of right off is Ural the Miststalker. I mean, it adds red to make it Naya colors, but hey, giant Voltron creature only be able to be blocked by one creature every turn? Sounds pretty good to me, and it's an enchantment-based deck, so this card fits right in. Well, our last card on the list may be less valuable, but it is no less impactful. Number 10 at $3.50 is another enchantment called Spreading Plague. This card is black, and it costs 5 to play, 4, and 1 black. Whenever a creature comes into play, destroy all other creatures that share a color with it, and they can't be regenerated. This is a monster of a card, especially if someone is playing this card, and they're playing similar colors to a lot of other players in the game. Pretty much everybody is probably going to have a bad time in that case, but obviously you've probably built your deck around doing something like this, so hey, maybe you'll enjoy this kind of effect. This can be really, really powerful. I mean, just being able to potentially shut opponents out of the game by playing this is so good. It's especially powerful against monocolor decks, where if they have, let's say, a red creature on the battlefield, they really can't play any more creatures unless they're artifacts, or they're just completely screwed. One card that comes to mind that this would work really well with in a game of Commander, for example, would be Kalidas, Trader of Debt. Kalidas Trader of Get loves it when other creatures die because he can exile them and make them into tokens. So something like Spreading Plague fits right in. And the best part is, even if you're playing a mono black deck with Kalidas as your commander and somebody else is playing black cards, even if they play them all and proceed to destroy your board, Kalidas' effect will still work which will trigger zombies to come into play and destroy even more things. So it's just going to be complete havoc. And that is exactly the kind of thing that this card promotes. It's going to make the game so difficult for certain decks to play and maybe even impossible for others. It is a very powerful possibility to have in your arsenal. I always love comparing this card to Tainted Aether, which it is a little bit different, but it's just as dangerous when it's in play. It has the same kind of cost in the fact where it's like if this comes into play, something is going to die directly because of that effect. So if somebody plays their commander, pretty much it's board wiping themselves and let alone half the other players on the field. So the more colors in your deck, the more vulnerable you become. So again, like we said with Super Friends, this is a key card to defend your Planeswalkers. They can only grow their field so fast to come out and swing at you. So if you want to do any kind of mono black variant or all the way up to tracks or five colors, like this is really easy to make it so that, hey, I'm safe you're not, and I can just grow my field. Yeah, I can't imagine playing this in a five-color deck like Progenitus, where you just have this in play and play a Progenitus, and everybody else's creatures die, and then you just have this giant Hydra sitting there ready to kill somebody. That's just one of the things this card can do. It's kind of absurd, and I really like it. Well, I would actually hate to be in the opposite side. That just happened. Progenitus is on the field. All right, I'll just make some sort of little 1-1 one, one white token. Oh, and now Progenitus is dead. That is just the biggest insult to injury right there. The, even the tokens trigger this thing is just bonkers. And, I mean, for the low price of this, I think the only reason it is at that price is because you honestly have to figure out the right way to play this card to make your deck work. And I know we said Super Friends, but I would also love to see this in maybe in a Loro deck, as much as I hate that guy, or even in the fact of um, another Mill Commander 
like the blue black god that we've seen because it's indestructible it will be able to live through it so if you have that kind of style that could work it keeps the field low and you can just mill people to death so it definitely has its plays and it is a disgusting card to play against so now we've seen the money cards and we have also seen our hidden gems now it comes time to rank invasion so kyle do you want to tell us how we go about that well i would love to Stu. we kind of have a four-tiered ranking system here at the card pool we start at the bottom with bronze then we go up to silver and then gold and then at the very tip top of the pile we have platinum so Stu, do you want to tell us what you think of Invasion overall? So here for Invasion, I'm going to go ahead and give it a solid gold. There's a lot of things I really liked about this set. It had very surprising mechanics, not in the fact of new archetypes, but more or less how certain colors broke the mold. This set had a red counterspell, which blew my mind, a green stifle, and also a white instant speed board wipe. So right there are just three little hidden gems among a vast majority of cards that just go completely outside of the box. There's tons of things in here that I would consider to be staples in certain formats, and also some things that I'm amazed aren't. One of the enchantment spirit of resistance, I have never seen anyone use that in a five-color deck. But I think that is a staple for a five-color card just because it's just so strong. It is an immediate threat once it comes out, even if it isn't turned on that turn. So it's something that just blows my mind. But also when we get into the form of the money cards, we see a lot of stuff to interact with legendary permanents. And that is extremely strong, especially in Commander. You have forms of tutoring, you have forms of protection, you have forms of everything. And I really wanted to give this a platinum, but some of the spots I feel like were a little weak were in some of the ways that the colors supported each other. There was no true one-on-one -on -one synergies with them, but as standalone cards go, they are extremely valuable, and I can see why these cards are used in the decks that they are used now. I am also going to give Invasion a gold rating, Stu, but kind of for the opposite reason that you did. I actually wasn't a huge fan of the whole playing around with the color pie thing, in this set at least, and I didn't really necessarily love those kind of cards like collective restraints for example that directly depend on how many colors you or other players play in order for them to be good at least not most of them i don't generally like depending on what things other people are playing to make my own plays that said the reason i'm giving invasion a gold rating is twofold one of which is i mean look at these money cards here we've got captain sisse we've got phyrexian altar we've got aura shards even things to a lesser extent, like Planar Portal and Sterling Grove, these are things that have defined games, especially in the Commander realm where you and I both like to play, and will continue to do so pretty much for all of eternity or until they print better cards than this, which I highly doubt because these things are pretty darn powerful. Also, looking back at my hidden gems, kind of like what you were saying, Stu, there are some things in here that I'm shocked that more people don't play. Wash Out, my number one hidden gem from this set being a perfect example. It's a one-sided board wipe for four mana 99% of the time. Why aren't more people doing this? Also, you look at a card like Phyrexian Delver. If you are playing a deck with even the slightest hint of black in it, you should play Phyrexian Delver. Reanimation spell on a body is something that is very hard to come by generally and should really be prized over pretty much anything else. But I also kind of like the whole 
somewhat slight legendary sub-theme that there is in here, and it gives you some interesting new toys to play with in Commander, for sure. So now that brings us to the end of our pool time for today. Now, if the water felt just right, be sure to check out our first segment in which we talked about our top 10 hidden gems of Invasion. What do you think of these money cards? Let us know. Are any of these things that you play with all the time? I know some of them are things that I play with all the time. Let us know what your favorite one is, and let us know, of course, down in the comments below this video, or you can hit us up on Twitter at mtgthecardpool, or even email us at mtgthecardpool at gmail.com. I'm Kyle Robertson. And I'm Stu Galetta, and we'll see you next time at the Card Pool.